Good evening everyone and welcome. Tonight's class is titled You, Something or Nothing, Part 2. And last week we started discussing how we do exist. Like the fly in the room, there is a fly. We do exist, seemingly. So how do we say that there's nothing aside for Hashem? And we went to discuss speech. How when a human being speaks, there's two, de- there's two defining factors of a human speech. The fact that the speech leaves the person, and the fact that the speech reveals something that was hidden. In ha- Hashem, there's, not, there's no way for something to leave Hashem, because Hashem is everything. Hashem is everywhere. So when we say the world was created with speech, we don't mean that the world was created, it's like Hashem kind of popped the world out of its mouth and now it's a separate entity. No, no. We mean that yes, Hashem sort of say popped it out, meaning revealed something that was concealed, but it's still within Hashem. And we gave an analogy. We mentioned the letters that exist within your, your initial love. When someone has an initial love, there's, there are words there. The fact, the, tr- the proof that words exist within that initial love are the fact that after you think about it, all of a sudden words appear. Well, for the words to appear, that means deep within the love, in a concealed sense, there still needs to be words. And that is the closest we could get to grasping Hashem's speech. Yes, Hashem spoke. Yes, Hashem revealed something concealed. But, that revelation didn't separate from Hashem. And this week we're going to learn how if we're all one with Hashem... Is there a question? I, I'm just... Please. No, I, I just... I'm just so confused about that. Could I repeat it again? Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> I'd love to. You know, before I repeat it again, let me start off with this week's Torah portion. This week's Torah portion is named Ha'azinu. And the truth is, in a way, the whole Torah is inclusive in this week's Torah portion. Not only is it inclusive within this week's Torah portion, it's inclusive within just the first section of this week's Torah portion. There's very few places in the Torah that aren't exactly the same format. One solid column. There are a few places that are different. For example, the Ten Commandments. Similarly, the Song of the Sea. It's written in this musical way. This week's Torah portion is also called a song. It's called the Song of Hazino. And if you look at this beautiful, majestic song, seemingly it's not so beautiful, it's not so majestic. It talks about how if you do mitzvahs, Hashem will reward you, but if you do the opposite, unfortunately, it will be the opposite. So, and we call it a song. It's such a great song, and I should share this with you, very powerful. Such a great song that the Maharal of Prague and the Mizritra Magid both said the importance of reciting the song of Hazinu and knowing it by heart. To something special and knowing this portion by heart. It purifies the mind and heart and leads to longevity and success in business affairs. And the previous Rebbe said, listen to this, if businessmen realized what benefit this would actually bring, they would be more careful about doing it. Be more careful about reciting it. Similar to what we say, 
that the non-Jews, if they knew how much they gained from us bringing sacrifices on their behalf on Sukkot, they would only, they would be begging us to continue the sacrifices. You know, sometimes we don't know the value of something. But how do we call this a song? A song that talks about positive and negative. A song is normally something awesome, something beautiful, something positive. And seemingly, in this Torah portion, it's, you know, it's quite tough. I'll read it in English. Hashem is powerful like a rock. His acts of retribution are perfectly balanced, for all His ways are just. To jump ahead a little bit, corruption is theirs, the Jewish people, not His. It's His children's you know, issue, a crooked and twisted generation. Is this how you, part, part of the song, is this how you repay God, you disgraceful, unwise people? Is He not your father, your master? What about this as a song? What's the answer? Phil? Tzvi? <laughs> Sounds more like the words of a prophet. Yeah. So what's, what's beautiful about this, Sharon? What's beautiful about it? It's an answer. It's about, it sounds to me like it's about karma. good deeds. I don't know. There's something really powerful about it. What's beautiful about it is that every Jew knows that he is responsible for his own destiny. And that's a beautiful thing. Hashem is telling you, you are responsible for your destiny. And that is beautiful. That is, a, that is, that is amazing. Don't let your past haunt you. Don't say there's other things. No, no. Each and every one of us is fully able to be responsible for who we are and be responsible for our own destiny. That is something really special. And as I was learning this, I realized a little bit it's connected with what we're learning today. Today we're going to learn how the good and the bad come from Hashem. And it's all good. Today we're going to learn how Hashem has allowed us to believe that there is Hashem and others. But there's no others. There's only Hashem. Hashem has allowed us to fool ourselves, literally fool ourselves, and say that we have accomplished so and so throughout our life. But it's all Hashem. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. First, I'll share with you a quote from the Talmud. Talmud shares with us, I apologize from the Medrash. The Medrash says a snail, similarly a turtle, they both have this massive cover on top of them, this massive shell. Is that shell a separation? Or is it a part of them? The shell is, is, is a part of them. It's not a separation for them. For us, it's a separation. We can't see what's underneath the shell. But the shell is one thing with the turtle. Similarly, one thing with the snail. Let me read you two halachot in Shulchan Aruch. It's all going to come together. I know I'm, gonna, mm -hmm. I'm going off, but it's all going to come together. Bacha, is it too much? Well, it's just that the snail can leave its shell. 
the snail can, can, can separate from it. Good point. We're talking about as it's holding the shell, the at the time that the snail has a shell, the shell is a part of the snail. And it's one thing with it. L let me share with you two halachot. The halachot are talking about wearing the kippah. And what we're going to discuss is only really truly relative, relevant in the first halacha about a thousand years ago. And that is because it used to be we only wore a, ya a yar yarmulka. Does anyone know what the word yarmulka means? Well, I know, actually, I know. I'm going to tell you something really cool. I only learned it myself recently, but it's really cool. Yarmulka, what does it stand for, Maishmanel? Two Hebrew words. Malka could mean also king, with an aleph, yeah. And Yira is? Fear. So Yire Malka means fear of the king, fear of God. So Yarmulka actually means exactly what it is. We wear a yarmulka to remind us to fear God. And that's exactly what it means. Yare Malka. Whereas a kippah just means a covering, right? There you go. Kippah means like a... Yeah, so that's yeah. a more meaning. Absolutely. So, I never heard kippah until well into adulthood. Mm -hmm. To me it was like one generation. Like, oh, it's Yarmulke. Yeah. Growing up. Growing up. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. right. So, Halacha says we wear, that a, a man wears a Yarmulke to have fear of God. I'm sorry. Sure. I just have a quick Please. Question. No, please, please. When I was in Israel visiting my daughters a few years ago, we were wandering around the biblical zoo. There's a lot of people there that looked like maybe they lived in the West Bank or something. Long TT and sandals and things. But some of them didn't have yarmulkes on their head. So is, is that not required? Or that, that's what, what, could there, what could the explanation be? Okay, which mitzvah of the 613 is it to wear yarmulke? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a trick question. Huh? Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> it's not. It's rabbinic. It's, it's, it's rabbinic, correct. No, no, the answer is you need to wear a yarmulke. I, I have no clue why. But I'm just going to make an observation that tzitzit is something, is one of the 613. That's biblical. And yarmulke is from the rabbis. But there's no difference between the two. They have the same strength. And I, I don't know why. You saw people wearing tzitzit and not, were they wearing a hat? It was just like a, a couple of people. Right. I don't know the answer. So we, we wear a yarmulke to have fear of God on us. About a thousand years ago, the rabbis came together and they said, now that everyone's wearing a yarmulke, now it's become an accepted custom for a man to cover his hair. And that means at this point, if because of modesty, a man must cover his hair. Let me explain that. The laws of modesty, um, there are certain guidelines that the Torah says can never be bent. Meaning, even if everyone was dressing inappropriately, we'll never be allowed to dress inappropriately. But then there are certain guidelines where the Torah says, dependent on the custom of the town, that is what will be appropriate for you. For example, for example, do you need to wear shoes 
or socks? Could you go around barefoot? That is something that, dependent on the country, and this is primarily for men, whether or not for a man it would be appropriate to walk around barefoot or not. In some, in some countries it would be appropriate. But now that in our country, in, in America for example, it's appropriate, everyone in, in general is wearing socks on an average day. So therefore, because of modesty, we should try and wear socks. That means the, in America it would be appropriate because of modesty for us to wear socks. Or, or tights or pantyhose, whatever it will be. Going back to a yarmulke, initially the yarmulke was instituted just so we have fear of God on our head. But now that everyone wore it, now it's like an accepted practice, so therefore because of modesty our head should be covered. Got it, Phil? My shamandal clear? So now, let's, let's now get back inside. Again, we're learning now, prior to the institution, that we need to wear a yarmulke because of modesty. I'm going to quote you from the Shulchan Aruch. Chapter 91, Halacha 3. It says, It is prohibited to mention God's name without covering your hair. And of course, this is talking about a man. For a woman, that would be appropriate. V'yesh Omrim, some people say, She'yesh Limchos, you have to protest that you're, you're not allowed to walk six feet without a yarmulke. You should never walk six feet without a yarmulke. That's halacha, the third halacha. Comes along the fourth halacha, and it says as follows. It says, if you're wearing a straw hat, that's okay. But this is what I wanted to share. But it says like this. Avo, but... Hanachas yado al rosho. If someone takes his hand and puts it on his head, eno chashuva kisoy. That's not considered a covering. You haven't covered your head. If you take your hand and your, hair is, your head is bare and you put your hand on top of your hair, you haven't covered your hair. You're not allowed to walk. Why not, Gershon? Your, he your head is covered. Sandra's going to see, she won't see your he head, she's going to see your hair. She's going to see your hand. So why is your hair not covered? Well, because you, you didn't take the time to think about that in advance. It's kind of a spontaneous thing. You wouldn't, you wouldn't walk around with your hand on your head all the time. So, so what? I could take a cup and put it on my head and that would be a yamulka. It's a temporary thing. Why can you not use your hand to cover your head? Sandra, why do men cover their head? For themselves or for someone else? Which kind of man? Why is a Jewish person supposed to wear a yamulka? For him to wear a yarmulke or for someone else to wear a yarmulke? It's probably for someone else, but if it's for uh, a yarmulke after what you said, I'd say it's for himself. Ah, you wear a yarmulke not so someone else shouldn't see you without any hair on. No, no, no. You wear a yarmulke for yourself to be covered, to remember that Hashem is on top of you. 
And if that's the case, your hand won't do it. If we, the whole point of wearing a yarmulke is that you sh someone else shouldn't see your bare head, so cover, you could use your hand. But if the issue is that your head should be covered for yourself, your hand won't do it. Why? And these are really amazing words. Will they discuss the issue of the... Absolutely. And the, and the Shulchan Aruch says like this, Lefi, because... Why is your hand not good enough? Shehayad veharosh, your hand and head, guf echad hain, they're one. They're one and the same. Your body can't cover itself. How could you, so you... So you're still revealed. What have you done? You've put your hand... Yes, yeah, so Sandra can't see my head. But I can still see my head. There's nothing covering my head. My hand is part of me. One entity cannot cover on, its, on itself. Just go like the snail cannot really cover on itself. One entity cannot cover on itself, no matter how much you try. Remember, if someone else looks at me, will I be covered? Yes. But am I truly covered? No. And that is exactly the point we're going to learn today. Exactly the point. Hashem, is, please. I was say, is also the fact that you're, you're supposed to use your hand for other things, like performing mitzvot, um, rather than using it for a specific purpose. It is a mitzvah. It is a mitzvah. Isn't that to wear a kippah? Yeah, but you're still a handicapped yourself. That's okay. It's, the, the, the problem is not that you... Right, correct, correct. You know, I just want to share so I don't get in trouble. Um, we have a custom to always cover ourselves with two head coverings at a time when we're learning or davening. So first I'll show you a trick. I just need to get my hat to show you this trick. Who's the read? What? Kabbalah? The truth is, according to Kabbalah, it's a, it's a custom. Because I see people sometimes after a meal, but... I'm, I'm going to talk about that in a second, but I just want to show you one trick. Every yarmulke that we try and buy has two coverings. For that reason. Oh, yeah. that, that's, that's trick A. Oh, I see that? <laughs> no, you could do it to your side. See, yours also has to. You, you see, you got the Kabbalistic oh. Yamulka. Okay. That's point. So, the point is, we don't only want to have one head covering, we want to have two head coverings before we dive into Hashem. Because? The Kabbalah says it's more appropriate. What I wanted to share there was, the reason I brought this up is because all, you may come to a shul and you'll see people, they're going like this. Have you ever gone into a shul and seen someone going like this when he's answering Kaddish or something? They'll take their hand and put it on top of their head. So how could they do that? We just learned you can't do that. For this, again, for the second head covering. If I walk into a shul and they're in the middle of davening, I didn't come to daven, I came from but they're in the middle of davening, and they're saying Kiddusha. So I'm going to put my hand on my head and I'm going to answer with them. Why am I putting my hand on my head? My hand, I said, we just learned is nothing. So just to clarify, so it shouldn't be... A... Right. The answer is because once you have a yarmulke on your head, so now your hand is covering something else. I just wanted to clarify that point, why at times you'll see people put their hand on their head. Although, okay. 
<laughs> now, back to what we're learning now. Is yes. why sometimes they put the talus over their head? The talus is, a, you put your talus over your head because ideally, in general, your talus should fully surround you. That's the idea of the talus. So preferably, it should be on your head throughout the evening. So, what we've learned now is that you cannot conceal on yourself. It's not possible. You can pretend to be concealed. You could cover your head and I will not see your head, but you are not concealed. Hashem is playing a game with us, so to say. He is concealing Himself that we cannot see Him. But He is fully there. Just like the hand that's covering the head, but it's not really covering the head. Because one entity cannot conceal on itself. So to Hashem, although He's created all these contractions, the Seder Hishtalshalot, the Tzimtzumim, that we've discussed, Hashem is still fully there, and it's only our perception that He's not revealed here. Let's repeat that again. Hashem is everywhere. Hashem is revealed everywhere. And in places where it looks like Hashem is concealed, he can't conceal himself. Just like you can't hide yourself, Hashem can't conceal himself. To us he looks concealed, but he's really everywhere. Did that make sense, Sandra? Sh- Sharon, I'm sorry. Okay. Basha, does it clear any, any questions? I'm happy to repeat any questions. Well, I have a question based on something you said earlier. Phil, do you mind passing the water, please? Is it connected to this point? No. So let's get back to it. But I will get back to it. I, I don't want to... I know I often lose focus. But I want to I see if we can do this inside and together. the commandment is to cover your head, not necessarily to wear a So if you were wearing some other type of hat, or if you were just covering your head with the tallest, that would still be acceptable? Yes. You just make me mention a funny question. They ask if a go-to is acceptable. It's a real question. The big... What's, sorry, what's a fake hair covering called? Oh, a toupee, sorry. There's a discussion if a toupee is okay. And according to most opinions, it is, but it's a problem of confusing other people and therefore you shouldn't do it. <laughs> so, yeah, but in, in other words, in the essence, halacha, you, you're covering your hair, but okay. But let's get, let's... Sometimes you see men with a baseball cap. Come, join us. Okay, here we go. And we're in our Tanya chapter, tw- chapter 21, page 90. And we're going to continue by, we're on the left column. About nine lines from the top of the first paragraph, there is thus no manner of change before him. Do you see that? There is thus no manner of change before him. Page 90, left column. There is thus no manner of change before him. Sharon, you have it? There is thus no manner Good, yeah. You got it. Oh, no problem. Garrison, do you mind helping Sandra? Yeah. There it is. I know I lost it in my book. Uh, it's uh, kind there of it is. Oh, because you said thus, there is. I apologize. Yeah, I was thinking. Sorry about I'm that. Sorry. No? No, I should have just. There is thus. 
<laughs> there is thus no manner of change before him, blessed be he. In front of Hashem, nothing has happened. The world, nothing happened with creation. But, but there is creation. What do you mean nothing happened? We're created. But only for the created beings which receive their life force from His Word. We. To us it looks like something happened. Blessed be He, as it were. We were created. From the Word of Hashem, we think something happened with creation. Because in its revealed state, as the creation of the world, when Hashem created the world, He revealed these words. And these words in which it is closed, the words are closed in our world. You know what's amazing? It's really, really cool. The words Hashem spoke, Hashem spoke today. The words that we're talking about, the words of creation, Hashem said some of them on the 25th day of Elul, the first day of creation. And today we're on which day? We're on the 27th day of creation. We're on the 27th day of the month of Elul. We are now in the 25, 6, 7. We're now in the... the 28th? The 28th day of creation. We're now in the 4th day of creation. Which words did Hashem say on the 4th day of creation? What words? Or now we're actually in the 5th day of creation. Tonight. What words? Right? We're, we're already now... Okay, Sandra, I got a little confused. Today was the 27th of Elul. Yes, Tonight is the 28th. Yes. So we're now in the fifth day of creation. What did Hashem create on the fifth day of creation? The birds and fish. The birds and... Is that correct? <laughs> But the words, the words we're learning about today, we're, we're learning about today. Hashem actually said them five thousand seven hundred and seventy-eight years ago. The very words. Okay, back inside. So these words that are in our worlds, and they're giving them life. These words that Hashem said, they're giving us, they give us life. How could they give us life? Through a process of gradual descent. From cause to effect and a downward gradation. By means of numerous and various contractions. Hashem took His words and He, with many, many contractions, concealed the light within them. Remember, the light of, within the words is, is practically nothing as is. Remember we discussed, we have no recollection of what we say. The light within the words is practically as nothing. And, and even on top of that, Hashem made many, many contractions. Until the created beings can receive their life and existence from it without losing their entity. Hashem has concealed so much His light that we are finite beings being powered by the infinite. Our, our, our battery is the infinite. Hashem is infinite. And this infinite is within us. But He has concealed it in so many ways that right now we are getting life from the infinite and still we feel finite. 
still we feel independent. We feel like we're a person of our own. Each one of us, when we leave tonight, we're going to all feel we have our own life. We may feel alone in this world. But really what we're learning is we're all, we're all one. We're all, we have the infinite within us. Could, is there, what's the closest example we could get to this idea of contracting something a tremendous amount giving over a little bit but within that little having the essence did that make sense Gershon what's going on we're taking the most powerful thing in the world we're contracting it contracting it contracting it but it's fake contractions because the essence of all it's not fake contractions it's like we, we were talking about last week with the drops of water in the ocean. Oh, Much more than that. The drops of water in the ocean, when you pull out one drop, it's still the same exact drop. It's more like expansion. Yeah. What happens, when we say contract, when you take a drop out of the ocean, it's the same drop, but when you mix... Contraction is actually the perfect word. What does it mean to contract? You're taking something, the entire item, and you're making it smaller but it's all there condensing it Hashem is fully within us the infinite is within us but it's just concealed the closest example we could get and an example that Hasidus Kabbalah talks a lot about what's the example of Mendel? the closest example we get is of a teacher to his student and we're not talking about a teacher and student which are relative one to the other we're talking about the greatest mind teaching a young a young student the last thing that this great mind needs to do is teach the young student there are many people that are more equipped to teach the young student but he is teaching the young student he's teaching the young student 2 plus 2 equals 4 but you know what that great mind is thinking when he says 2 plus 2 equals 4? I know, someone help me out. What's like a massive equation that, that, that is based off 2 plus 2 equals 4? I, I don't know. Could someone help me, please? Sharon, help me out. I don't know what you're looking for. <laughs> no, what I'm looking for is... What I'm looking for is... 2x squared. 2x squared. When you teach... Minus. When I say 2 plus 2 equals, equals 4, that's all I know. But the great mind, when he says 2 plus 2 equals 4, he's actually 3,000 steps ahead. Because based off of that math equation, he now is able, he's somewhere else. When, this, when the great mind taught 2 plus 2 equals 4, he wasn't teaching 2 plus 2 equals 4. In his, in his mind, he was, he was much deeper. But when the student heard 2 plus 2 equals 4, that is all he heard. That is all he knows. Exactly the same. Again, the teacher, he was able to say it in few words, but he gave over, he gave over the deepest concept. The student took it in his way. Phil, does that make sense? Yeah. And that is exactly what we're learning here. Hashem has contracted his energy but it's all fully there. And then you are, you are maybe, I don't, maybe I missed the point completely. But then you can take, I don't know, say the 1960s or something, a computer like the, 
could sort of desktop. Could, yeah, it could take up a whole city block or something. Yeah. But it's all condensed down. But it has even more power. That's an interesting analogy. But I don't know if I missed the point. Teachers who are teaching yeah, right. children about, say, Hanukkah. Yeah. And they they know what Hanukkah means, and in their in their way advanced way of thinking about it. <clears throat> but to condense that down so that a three-year-old can go home and tell their parents. That's powerful. Yes. Same point. That yes, when when the teacher says something. And when the student understands that they're two separate things. So the way we perceive this world and the way Hashem perceives it are completely separate. Back in the Tanya, left column, those contractions, these contractions, about ten lines from the bottom of the left column, these contractions are all in the nature of hester panim, concealment of the countenance to obscure and conceal the light and life force that are derived from his word, blessed be he, the contractions are coming to conceal the energy so that it shall not reveal itself in a greater radiance than the lower world are capable of receiving. Hence, it seems to them as if the light and life for force of the word of the omnipresent, blessed is he, which is closed in them, were something apart from his essence and being, Blessed be He. And it only issues from Him just as the speech of a human being issues from His soul. In other words, Hashem is fully here. But Hashem allows us to think that He has separated from, the, the Word has separated from Him. He allows us to believe that the world is a separate entity from Him. This is where it's lost. Yes. From his word, from the innermost part of him, yeah. the innermost part of his speech, we are, he breathed life into us. So that's, that's why I'm are you, are you asking how could we say we come from word of Hashem and at the same time say we come from the essence of Hashem? Is that the question? No, because I, I see that part. But there was something that was said earlier about it not being, that there being two different, two distinct things. There's two methods of understanding. Is that, is that what you're saying? There's the way Hashem looks at the world and the way we look at the world? Kel Deis Hashem. We learn Hashem is able to incorporate different, different uh, understandings. When Hashem looks at the world, He sees His essence within it. When we look at the world, we only see ourselves. We don't see Hashem within it. How is that possible? Sa Sandra, can you repeat, how is that possible? How is it possible that Hashem sees His essence within the world, but we don't see it? Exactly. So He's fully here, but He's concealing Himself. We don't see it, but Hashem's fully here. Did, did that answer your question, Baja? I think so. I'm happy to repeat it again. No, I think I've So it seems like they're different contractions, though they're probably the same type of contraction. Hashem can 
contracted to create the world. He's contracted and he's in us and outside of us at the same time. This is, I cannot believe how many times I have to read something that I, I just. In your mind, what exactly is the country? Well, it, it maintains its essence, but now there's um, Hashem. Hashem maintains his essence. Yeah. You're familiar with what a contraction is on its technical level, right? If you go to the airport, you, you've, you've flown on a plane. Yeah. You, do you know, you know when... And, and my example may be wrong, correct me, but I, you know when a plane comes to the terminal, there is this piece that pulls out from the terminal and comes closer to the plane? This accordion? Right, accordion thing. It, like, do you, are you familiar the walkway pulls to the plane? No. And when the plane pulls out, what does that walkway do? It, it, it contracts together to one. So that, that longer item has now become smaller. I understand the meaning, oh, 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 understand got it. The meaning of God, I, I don't mean to... I'm trying to, uh, trying to understand better in this context. Exactly the same thing. The greatness of Hashem is, in the terms we're talking about, it's fully there, but it has been squished together. But then how can that really be if Hashem is infinite and we are finite? In terms of our physicality. Tell me, I, I don't understand the question. Well, if it's a true contraction. And that's exactly the point. It's a fake contraction. That's what we're learning. It's getting even more complicated. I know. It's a fake... No, no, let me explain what that means. Let me explain what that means. It's a fake contraction, meaning... Remember, that's how we started off. When you cover your head with your yamulka, sorry, the opposite way. When you cover your head with your hand, you've covered your head, but you haven't covered yourself. When the teacher goes ahead and shares about Hanukkah, the student is going to take what the student what the student understands out of it, but the teacher has a much greater understanding within it. So when Hashem is contracting Himself, it, he's, not con he's not removing Himself. He's concealing Himself. He's fully there, but He's concealing Himself. Allowing us to believe He's not there. So it's concealing the opposite of revealing. If we want to believe it. But through our free will we decide if we believe it or not. Right. That He's there with us or not. So this concealment is the act of contraction on a divine level. Yes, yes. The concealment is, 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 the, is what the contractions are there for. The contractions are concealing on Hashem. They're not removing Hashem, God forbid. Hashem cannot be removed. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I'm just not, I'm still not comfortable with the term contraction. Well, let me just tell you something. If you had a clear, there would be, if you had a clear, you wouldn't be human. 
Because we learned last week, my thoughts and your thoughts are not the same. So we'll never fully understand Hashem. Nor the stills. <laughs> Gary, can you had a question? Um, I, I keep feeling like I'm, my analogies are missing. I'll, I'll keep trying. Gary, you're doing great. Yesterday, um, at that Moviah, your um, your father gave a talk, and he was. I think he, I think he was speaking about last, last week's Torah portion. Yeah. That in the, in the at the time of creation, there was a, a light in the world that everybody could see physically and spiritually, and then the only way that we can get back to uh, to having that vision, I assume of Hashem, physically and spiritually, is by by learning and living Torah. Yeah. And and is 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 that where we're at? That Hashem is concealing Himself. Because we need to work to be able to see, to see. You're saying Hashem concealed Himself in order to allow us to find Him? Well, so that we'll work to find Him. Over here we're learning much more. Hashem concealed Himself because if not, physical creation couldn't have happened. Not would not have happened. It could not have happened. Hashem is infinite. Infinite cannot create finite. So in order for this finite world to be created, Hashem had to conceal Himself, had to hide Himself. In part. Um, drastically. Drastically. Is it also seem like just a tiny, tiny bit? How, but infinite is infinite. No, that He'd have to just contract Himself a tiny, tiny bit. To create this world, mm -hmm. Thousands and thousands of contractions were necessary. Yeah. Garrison, sorry. Is it, you, could you repeat it back to me? No, oh, it's okay. No, uh, no, I'm asking you a favor. Can you repeat back this point? What you just said? Yeah, it's like, is it clear? Yeah, but you're saying that, that because the, the world and the, and the universe, even, right? Beyond this physical world. The physical and spiritual universe is, is finite. Right. It would be impossible unless... And that finiteness, even as huge as it is to us, is, in, is infinitely small compared to... Fantastic. Fantastic. So how can the infinite create finite Gershon? What's necessary to make that happen? That's the part that I'm still struggling. The infinite has to pretend it's not here. Right, it conceals itself. That's right. From whoever's perceiving it. So there has to be someone on the other side to perceive Hashem as... Correct. So he couldn't have created anything before man. Because well, no I one would have been there. To that last statement, though. It doesn't seem. I want to ask why. I mean, why is that? You know, why does he have to? Why do we have to perceive that contraction? I mean. Hmm. Well? Could it be just for the 
plain fact that we search him out. There's a story of Please. Maybe when he was a little boy, that he uh, was playing hide and seek. This was I believe so. Yeah, yeah. He was playing hide and seek, and um, he came to his father, and he was just crying. He was so upset. He said, "I was playing hide and seek, and they all just left, and I was hiding, and they didn't come find me." And, and his father told him that um, that's how much young feels. Exactly. The truth is, Hashem, yes, because Hashem, Hashem is not infinite. We've discussed this in a previous class. And forgive me, this is a little deep. Hashem is not infinite. Hashem is nothing. Hashem has no description. Saying Hashem is infinite and that Hashem cannot create the finite implies, implies that all of a sudden we've conscripted God to a certain level. Hashem could have created the finite world without... Why did Hashem create all of these contractions? To give us free choice for one simple reason. To give us the ability of free choice and be able to draw Hashem down into this world. Okay, that makes sense. But earlier you were saying that He has to be concealed been concealed when he created the world, right? Correct. Well, who was he concealing himself from if man hadn't been created yet? He was creating himself. He was concealing himself from himself. There are also spiritual... From himself. Not from us. We are Hashem. But we are part of... Sp- what? What? Sorry. I was laughing. We, we are Hashem. Absolutely. You didn't know you're Hashem? Gershon, you're the luckiest man in the world. <laughs> I'm the most confused man in the world. <laughs> I guarantee you're not the most confused. We're all confused. Only the Jews, though. Only the Jews are confused? No, only the Jews are Hashem. <laughs> no. Every single thing in this world is God. There is nothing in this world outside of God. The Jews have a much deeper connection within Hashem. We come from Hashem's essence, as Basha said before. But every, everything in this world is Hashem. So e- even a rock is Hashem. There's nothing that exists outside of... Oh, sorry. There's nothing that exists outside of Hashem. Kerishim, please. The, the, one of the last things you said, he's concealing himself from himself. That was not maybe... Because Phil suggested, or I'm sorry, I don't work with you or Michael. <laughs> Somebody suggested that if man wasn't created yet, who is he concealing himself from? I was thinking maybe it was the the different spiritual heavenly beings, but but that's not it. It's, he's concealing himself from himself. Everything in this world is Hashem. What does that mean, 
No, no, it's a good question. It's a, it's a good question. Hashem is concealing Himself from mankind. The reason I chose the words He's concealing Himself from Himself is to clarify there is nothing else aside from Hashem. We are a part of Hashem. But Hashem wants us to come to that conclusion on our own. Hashem wants to give us free choice. So Hashem has chosen to conceal Himself. Hashem has chosen to take this world, which is Himself, and within this world completely conceal Himself. Not to allow people here to see Him revealed. Allow them to make their own decisions. Or at least to think they're, make their, they're making their own decisions. He's concealing Himself within Himself. Hashem has chosen within this world, which is fully Him, to conceal Himself. I'm thinking. I'm trying. No, no, no. I, but firstly, I recognize this is a tough subject. And I also recognize that I don't understand it all, all myself. <laughs> um, we're all in the same boat. This is, a, this is a, the unity of Hashem is something that the Rambam says, all paper, if all paper was written on, he still wouldn't be able to clarify it fully. But nonetheless, there is a lot we can understand. And this is a point that I do think we can, over time, together get to. Let me see if we could repeat it back, kind of summarize. Hashem is everything, and everything is Hashem. The creation of the world made no difference to Hashem because it's just a part of Hashem. So then why do we feel that we are not a part of Hashem? Because Hashem has concealed Himself within us, pretending He's not there. But he, in truth, He is. Phil, could you make a summary for the class? Oh boy. <laughs> Not very well. <laughs> um. <coughs> Where do you start? Hashem is, is everything, but he's also nothing. You can't begin to describe him because that would limit him. And then we spoke quite a bit about creation through revealing, but he's also concealing himself to allow us to be drawn towards him. So what I was also thinking is that since Hashem is everything, and this is where I'm, I'm guessing that I think I might understand something. <laughs> As, as mankind has learned more and more from fire to the wheel to astronomy to physics to particle physics, all these things that humankind is learning and discovering, that's all part of Hashem also. And, and it's always been part of Hashem. And that just shows how, how much there is to Him and what a tiny drop we've begun to understand. So it's all a, a continuum that will take many, many years for us to 
Well said. Well said. <laughs> any questions? Wow. I mean, any questions that you want to venture to share? <laughs> I wouldn't say Yeah, Basha, please. Uh, the reason I didn't correct him is because the truth is Hashem is nothing and Hashem is everything. To, 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 say, to say Hashem is something itself is a problem. Hashem is, Hashem is something? No, Hashem is, Hashem is not something. Hashem is nothing. So they're both, they're both incorrect terms and they're both correct terms. Basha, please. Well, an analogy is probably like who teaches their child all the while and the child grows up and now he separates from his parents he goes off on his own and with Hashem's help he learns from his parent and he, those teachings that he had from his parent are now his and, he, and it's up to him now to use those teachings it's like when, when a parent is gone, does a child still... Share, share with me, I, I get the analogy. What's the message you're, trying, you're, bring, you're bringing out? I'm just wondering if that's the way Hashem is... His method is that He's there for us, and then He conceals Himself. And while He's concealed, that's the time that we... Um, it, it's up to us to... Yes, Hashem is fully here. He's fully empowered us, and we have to reveal Him. Yes, yes. So that would include moral understandings and ethics, as well as mathematics and physics. Everything in this world is Hashem. Perkei vote. that's right, yeah. There, there is one, is it, um, this, maybe this is something for next week. Sorry. There is a danger of concealment in that we're supposed to seek Hashem, but, but some people maybe don't, don't believe that or don't see Hashem and evil could exist because Hashem is concealed. But that's probably... You're saying Hashem concealing himself unfortunately could have negative effects also. That's, I guess, what I was thinking. That, that's free choice, yes. Oh. Yes, okay. you're right. Thank you, Thank you very much, everyone. The, the questions are good questions. The answers may not be so good, and I apologize about that. <laughs> But, uh, it's a, <laughs> I really appreciate everyone coming. That's it. Thank you.